Baseball 360 friends, welcome back to another episode. Episode 7 of this beautiful young podcast. I am your host, Mike Candell. As you just saw in our intro, we mentioned that the Rays would possibly be undefeated going into Toronto. And they did just that. Isn't that right, Foss? They did indeed. And look, I kind of didn't want to go there. I know they were facing the Red Sox and they had a few games against them and Sale was pitching in one of those games. So I thought the Red Sox would take at least one game in that series, but the Rays are just proving us wrong time and time again. And they just rolled into Toronto undefeated. However, they did not keep the streak going and we'll get into that as we go into first. But Mike, how are we doing so far? I'm doing great, buddy. We've had some beautiful weather this week. Beautiful baseball weather. Really, really can't wait to get out to a ball game. Speaking of going out to a ball game, how's our giveaway doing? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. By this recording, when we release this out on Monday, we will be reaching out to the person that has won the contest. Now, look, we didn't get to 100 subscribers. We're almost at the 50 mark, so it's really exciting stuff. I want to say thank you to those that have just subscribed to our channel. Looking forward to pushing out a lot more content, different content as the months roll along. But I will say as of this recording, I don't want to announce the winner just yet since we're recording on a Saturday, but we have reached out to the person who won on our channel by the, by the time you're seeing this. So once you see that comment, please reach out to us. We'll give you the info in the comment. And look forward to uh, giving away two tickets to a special person, and hopefully you have a lot of fun. Yeah, I just want to say real quick, the uh, interaction we're having on YouTube, with TikTok, our Instagram reels, couldn't have asked for more. Um, we, we love the fact that you love our content. We're only going to keep pumping out some more, and we have a couple of special uh, out-in-the-field segments we want to do that I think you guys are going to love. Absolutely. And I will say too, even though we didn't reach the hundred subscriber mark, I'm actually going to re up our little giveaway again. So listen, not sure exactly when we'll hit that mark, but I'm going to put this out there and say, we got another giveaway. We're going to do the same thing. Two tickets. As soon as we hit hundred subscribers on our channel, we will reach out to the person that comments on this video and in future videos, just in case, you know, that doesn't reach the mark by the time we record next week. But hopefully by the next episode, we will get to that mark and we'll have tickets to give away. I want to be able to see you guys like out in the field when you go to the games. I want you guys to tag us on our Instagram, TikTok, wherever you have social media. We're out there. We'd love to get some engagement with you. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more when we reach out to you, but uh, definitely want to see that from you guys. And we'll include some of that video in our future episode. So please want to get as much content as possible from y'all. And uh, that would be a great way to kind of spread our word out. I think it's time to head to first base, Fazio. What do you say? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Heading to first, let's talk about this historic start by the Tampa Bay Rays. They didn't break the record, but they tied the record. In the modern era, 13 straight wins is the record to start a season. The 1982 Atlanta Braves and the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers were the only teams to reach that lucky number 13. I don't know why 13 is the magic number, but it seems like these teams are stuck on there. Listen, it's hard to win 13 in a row, but I think it's even harder to start your season with 13 straight wins. How do you feel about this, Foz? Yeah, I guess 13 could also be an unlucky number too, if you look at it, right? There's no 13 number in hotel, but you know, obviously there is one technically. Listen, this is the third time ever in the modern world of baseball that this has ever happened. So as I said last week, we're seeing things from the Rays that we haven't really seen much of in baseball history. 
They actually surpassed their franchise record of consecutive wins, which was 12 back in 2004. So they already broke that streak, which was crazy to start the season, obviously. And their run differential has just been crazy. They won 11 out of their 12 games in the streak by at least four runs. Uh, We mentioned that crazy 1887 stat back with the St. Louis Maroons a couple episodes ago. And they had more home runs, which was 32 in the streak, than runs allowed by every team they faced, which was 30. It's nuts. There's more. (laughs) They scored more runs than they struck out. 101 runs to 94 strikeouts. And as we mentioned, you know, they couldn't break the actual record. They lost to the Blue Jays Friday night, 6-3. to But look, I mentioned in our last show, we were going to see fireworks in this series. As you said, Mike, in our last show, they got a really nice cushion into April. Yeah, I want to also piggyback on what you mentioned in the uh, predictions episode that we had. You said that you can't win a division in April, but you could certainly lose one. I think it's possible the Tampa Bay Rays have just won the AL East in April. No, that's that's me overreacting a little bit, but they essentially had a 13-game head start, if you really think about it, because mathematically, they can go 500, and they'll definitely be in the race. And I think they have the they definitely have a roster that can go 500. I think they're going to play much better than that. So, yeah, boom. You could check off one of my predictions right now. Rays are going to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think you can't really deny the start that they've been off and the cushion they have that if they even play 500 baseball, I believe that equals up to about 88 wins, which is probably good for a wild card spot. And as you said, they're better than a 500 team. They're probably going to get close to 100. If not, they may hit that actually, uh, especially with the Yankees coming off to a little bit of a slow start. They're kind of an up and down team. The Jays are a really good team. I think I still think they could win the division. Uh, and I see them being a 100-plus win team as well. But we'll just have to see how this shakes out as the months go along. We have some Rays fans out there. I know one out there uh, commented on our channel last week. Jessica Cahey, I don't know how you say your last name, but thank you for being the very first liker on our Facebook page. Hopefully I have many more. And, uh, yeah, we'll just have to keep talking Rays. I mean, they're the type of team that they don't really excite you on paper unless it's Randy or Rosarena, but they just do the right things at the right time more consistently than their opponents do. It's that simple. They play baseball, period, the end. Rounding first, heading to second. Let's talk about streaks a little bit more. Your boy, Jordan Walker, off to a hell of a streak, 12-game hitting streak to start his career. Fazio, I know you love this guy. We we heard it in spring training. You, you wouldn't shut up about him. Now that these games have actually started and seeing what this kid could do, my hat's off to you, buddy. I, I think you're going to get this prediction right as well. Let's pray for no injuries, healthy season. Let him continue to match. Please, please, please. But let's go a little bit into the streak. There's a new rookie record. Pretty impressive stuff. He did go 0 for 4 on Thursday, however, against the Pirates in their first game against them. Ended the streak. Took a day off on Friday. It's his first of the season. But man, before that, he was mashing. Currently, he's batting 294. He's got a couple of homers to back that up. He's got eight RBIs to start the season. I can't sing the praises of Jordan Walker enough. He's not even old enough to drink yet. He's he's only 20 years old, too. That's what that's another crazy thing about it. It absolutely wild. It, 
he doesn't look 20. He looks filled out, too. He looks like in his mid-20s, closer to 30, dare I say it. Unfortunately, it's the only bright spot with the Cardinals right now. They're off to... They're off to a tough start. That uh, NL Central is a little wacky, though. How about these Pirates? They're staying alive. They uh, had a tough loss against the Astros. They lost that series, which it was about time for the Astros to start, you know, picking up the pace and getting on a roll. But uh, they lost O'Neill Cruz, which is that's going to be a huge loss for them. Any way, shape, or form they could stay in contention might have been taken away with the loss of O'Neill Cruz. They're going to need him. Yeah, he was a big part of that team's just in the spirit. But you know what? I still think they have an outside chance because Andrew McCutcheon, his presence on that team, I think, lifts everyone up. And we've seen Mitch Keller, their ace, he's really been dominating so far. And I think he has a 2-0 and record, if I'm not mistaken, with like an under-3 ERA. So... I still think there is a possibility they could make the playoffs. But yeah, a tough blow with O'Neill Cruz there as the Brewers are kind of taking this division by storm. They just won again last night against the Padres. I believe they have a 10-4 record now as of this recording. They're hitting. You know, we knew their offense was going to be their strong suit, but they're at, they're scoring the runs. You know, they're getting the great pitching. They still haven't even gotten their best out of one of their starters, Eric Lauer. So when he starts getting it going, along with the rest of the staff, gonna be very dangerous. And you know, we talk about the Rays, you know, building up some equity in the standings early. I mean, the Brewers are looking to do just that as well. No doubt, and I know the Cubs also too. Like this Central Division's kind of really turned its head a little bit, at least prediction wise. Uh, it's kind of fascinating to see these teams get off to like decent starts so far. So this will be a, like, a, I think a division that we're going to have to really monitor week by week, because I think you could still see the Cardinals just get a real good streak going and they're going to take it on top of the division. It's going to be a race down to the wire. I really feel that. Listen, we can never count Cardinals baseball out of anything. And don't be surprised if maybe by August, you know, one of those teams fall off, you know, like the Cubs or even the Brewers. Let's go back to the Padres for a second. You and I both picked them to win the National League West. They're kind of stops and starts with them. Juan Soto, I he's got he hasn't done anything really since going to San Diego. They're getting Tatis back in a few days though. Hopefully they could, you know, that can light a fire under their ass or something. Yeah, I mean, I think Tatis is actually one of the biggest producers in AAA right now, which I guess is no surprise. He is a major leaguer after all. However, with Juan Soto, it was interesting to see that little interview he did with Sunday Night Baseball because he basically admitted that he did not like the pitch clock at all. So you got to wonder mentally, maybe he's going through something with that. And I think that was pretty much evident once he said that. Yeah, he was totally blunt about how he felt about it. You know, sometimes you'll have players, they'll tell you they like something because, let's be honest, it's not, it's not going to change anyway. Some, some would say they're kind of like shilling out for the commissioner's office. But uh, I, I like Juan Soto's honesty about it because he is a guy who liked to like to mentally manipulate the opposing team's pitcher. You saw that when he took those pitches in the World Series and he would kind of stare the pitcher down afterwards. He can't really get away with that many shenanigans now that there's the pitch clock and everything. Yeah, that, sh- that Juan Soto shuffle is uh, has got to be really quick, and I don't know if he's really doing it too much this year so far, but I also wanted to touch on the, the Diamondbacks real quickly. They're actually, as of this recording, the top of the division right now. The Dodgers are right behind them, and the Padres are just underneath them as well. So 
in our predictions, Mike, I know you mentioned that they were kind of going to be like a bounce back team, but having their start right now, how are you feeling with them? So all the reasons why I like the team, they're showing themselves very early in the year. They're getting what they, Zach Gallen, he's turned into an ace. Merrill Keller, excuse me, Merrill Kelly, number two in the rotation. And Andrew Chafin shutting the door in the ninth inning for them. Incredible. He was supposed to be a trade piece this come this trade deadline. And if the Diamondbacks are in contention, he's not going anywhere. They also have a Joe Mantiply as well and a couple of other relievers. Corbin Carroll playing the way he should. Um, you got Christian Walker, Alec Thomas, Cattell Marte, Evan Longoria, the veteran leadership. It's coming to fruition a lot quicker than I thought. Yeah, I don't know if you mentioned Corbin Carroll in your little rant there, but you got to give him props to look like he's the NL rookie right now. Uh, he's firing on all cylinders. And this has the makings of a team that you kind of see like, oh, maybe we weren't predicting them to go anywhere, but they could potentially turn a lot of heads and make the playoffs this year. I think we got to monitor them a little more. This division's super tight right now. We got to see how they can get through this NL West, especially the teams that they face in that division starting this week. So it'll be interesting to kind of follow them along as we roll along here as well. Right now, the Dodgers aren't looking like the Dodgers that we know, so they they should take advantage of it. I mean, the Diamondbacks went and beat them, so this NL West is kind of shaky, at least in the beginning. I'm actually happy the teams that are supposed to be winning aren't winning, because if the Dodgers were winning, the Yankees were winning, and all the teams who are supposed to win are winning, that's boring. Let's go Pirates. Let's go Diamondbacks. Let's go all those teams. Like I want to see, I want to see something crazy happen. I want to see the Royals make the playoffs, which it won't happen. But you know what I'm talking about. Well, the Royals did win in 2015. They had a nice little stretch. So uh, I want to see the Yankees win. Personally, I'm a Yankee fan, so obviously, you know, go Yanks. But in any case, I wanted to touch on the Dodgers really quickly because Max Muncy is killing the San Francisco Giants. I mean, he's owning them. Let's just not, let's just call it what it is. Um, according to stats, I want to pull the stat out here. Uh, he became the first player in history to have at least four home runs and 11 RBIs in a three-game sp- uh, series, despite not starting in one of them. He pinch hit on Tuesday and went one, 0 for 1 with a strikeout. Uh, Mudsy, I, he just, he dominates at Oracle Park there, Mike. Yeah, uh, why don't you ask Madison Bumgardner how well he hits in that stadium, who is now a Diamondback, by the way, which is weird because it's actually kind of forgettable that he's a Diamondback. But yeah, going back to Max Muncy, he's a giant killer. He always has been, and he always will be. Um, Just always cranking the ball into McCovey Cove. Do they still call it McCovey Cove? Yeah. They should. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, what other name... What other name would it be, you know? But yeah, no, Max Muncy, he's just one of those guys who I you forget about on the Dodgers, especially with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, especially when they bring in stars. But Max Muncy's a steady Eddie over there in the uh, Dodgers organization. Yeah, I know his average. He doesn't really hit for average, but he does hit for power. Uh, and I know historically I have some stats here. I'm a little stat boy today. Uh, he's batting 297 with seven doubles, 11 home runs, and 31 RBIs in 38 games at Oracle Park. I believe that's what it's called out in San Francisco. I know they changed the name a couple of times, uh, but I believe that's a new name now. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of power, if you need a bat to step up and get you some runs, he can certainly do that. Let's stay in San Francisco as we go from second to third base. There was a baseball game on the field between the San Francisco Giants and LA Dodgers, but there was an even better boxing match in the stands. This is how you know the rivalry is back. What do you got, Foz? There was actually multiple brawls that kind of happened that went viral, and I guess it's kind of typical when you go to a Giants-Dodgers matchup, but the first fight out there was in the bathroom. These guys kind of just flew out of the bathroom all of a sudden. Fists were flying. People's heads were getting pounded in. Tackles amongst everyone there. And uh, it was just like one of those typical like brawls you see between the Giants and Dodgers fans. But on the other side of the stadium, I think there was like a whole UFC match happening there, Mike. Tell me a little bit about that because I think you kind of showed me this one. Yeah, so uh, brought to you on Twitter by Grindface TV. Shout out to you guys. There was a, a brawl, you know started off like the other one, but it got a little bit more intense when somebody was kicked directly in their grill. I, it was the best and worst thing I've ever seen, if that makes sense. Um, listen, for all you people who don't think people care about baseball anymore, uh, hello? Then again, this could be all alcohol-induced, but uh, listen, this type of stuff could break out at a baseball game. I know baseball comes off all calm and docile on TV, but you go out there in those stands, it can get pretty, pretty broody out there. Yeah, by all means, we're not encouraging people to, you know, fight or like, you know, when I go to a game, I'm like super calm, like, you know, have a couple of drinks, cheer on the team, and then go about my day, see the sights. Not trying to encourage any fighting whatsoever. However, I do know historically, especially in California with these two teams, they love their teams and they will fight each other to make sure who's right or who's wrong there. There's no right or wrong answer there, of course, but to them there is. And so when you're going to those stadiums and you see these matchups, I would just say be aware of those surroundings if you're trying not to get involved in that sort of activity. And another thing I don't want to catch you guys doing is leave the mascots alone. Leave Dinger alone. What did he ever do to you guys? Fazio and I, we happen to be personal friends with Dinger, okay? And we didn't like seeing any of that stuff. And if you want to go through him, you got to go through us first. That's right, yes. And it was kind of wild seeing the video of Dinger getting tackled on the dugout. I mean, he, he was just kind of trying to pop the fans up. The fans were kind of getting into it like, yeah, let's go. Like, I know the Rockies aren't the greatest team right now. and They probably won't be that great this year. But don't take it out on Dinger. This guy kind of just all of a sudden got on top of the dugout and really gave him like one of those old school football tackles, wrapping it around his legs. <laughs> like, it was funny seeing Dinger go down, but like, you shouldn't be doing that at all. Like Dinger's a cool guy. Like he's just out there. He wants the Rockies to do well. He's a nice little big dinosaur. I don't know. He's fun. Uh, he's a fun guy. When we met him, he was super nice to us. And uh, yeah, definitely don't be tackling Dinger anymore. We don't want to see any more of that stuff happening. Yeah. And listen, that doesn't mean you can't go to a ball game, you know, get tuned up, you know, have as many drinks as you want, yell onto the field. But, you know, you got to draw the line there. Let's stay on the topic of fan behavior. Out in Philadelphia, we saw yet another incident involving a Phillies fan, a young Phillies fan. I, I guess they start them young out there. 
Yeah, I mean, those Philly fans are very passionate. They're a pretty rowdy crowd. I've been to a bunch of their games out in Philadelphia, and they're very passionate with their teams. I could definitely appreciate that for them. However, there was this incident where a young girl was kind of getting egged on by the fans around her when uh, Luis Arise hit a home run for the Marlins. Now, why is this important? Well, that was his third of fourth leg of a cycle. So he hit a single, double, triple, and home run. The home run he hit here was his third of four. He had a single afterwards to complete the cycle. It was the Marlins' first cycle in franchise history, and they were the last team to ever do that. So it was a pretty monumental moment for the team and for him. However, with this particular fan, she went over to the guy that's caught the ball, who is actually Hoodat Saint on Reddit, took it from his hands, essentially, because he's like, well... I got to give this ball to this little girl. I I don't want to look like a jackass in front of all these people with the phones. But the girl then took the ball and then threw it back on the field, in which turn the Philly staff took it, gave it to Luis Arise for him to take it for his cycle. Now look, that's a tough spot for that fan. I think he did the right thing. However, I do think the Phillies should acknowledge that he should probably get something for that, whether it be you know a couple free tickets or another ball from the game or something along those lines. And for those Philly fans, I can maybe understand at that moment in time wanting to throw that ball back, but that kind of to me in that territory, you're putting a little girl's you know decision making, directing, I think it's your hands, and I think that is wrong. Yeah. Uh, and going back to the fan who caught the home run, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. How many times have we seen it where a guy rustles a foul ball away from a little kid but feels bad and eventually gives it back? I, and I'm going to touch up on a personal baseball moment of mine, I was a little kid who had a foul ball stolen from him by an adult, and they didn't give it back to me. Little trauma for my youth, you know, that's for me to sort out. But yeah, as an adult, you know, give the ball to the kid. And for the fans egging the little girl on, that's kind of that's kind of crappy behavior. But, you know, I, I don't know the entire context of this story. I mean, maybe the parent told the kid, yeah, throw it, why not? I don't know. But yeah, it's not the best look. And uh, Luis Arias, uh, toughest out in baseball right now by the way that guy can hit yeah one of the brighter spots on offense for the marlins for sure another odd baseball incident involving a bat boy and an announcer yeah i don't know how those two could ever get involved together fazio what happened over there in cleveland pretty simple i mean the yankees yes network put a shot on this kid uh he was the yankees bat boy for the cleveland series so for those that may not know uh, teams employ like younger kids to be their like bat boy or their dugout personnel when they're visiting, you know, a, a team out in a different city. So in this instance, in Cleveland, they hired this kid named Nate Rosenhaus, which has got to be one of the most Ohio names ever out there. But props to him because he wears it literally on his sleeve. So he wound up being the bat boy for the Yankees, and he was actually mocked on air by Michael Kay. Because he had long hair and he had like a mustache. Uh, this kid's like probably 16 years old. And the Yankees have this policy where you have to be clean shaven. You can't have long hair. And so Michael K was getting on him about it. But like, let's step back. Okay, yes, he is wearing that New York sign on his jersey, right? So technically, yes, he is part of the Yankee organization. However, 
he was a freelancer. And in my world, as a freelancer, you could kind of march to the beat of your own drum there. So you got to give this kid a pass. And I think the Yankees players, after that game was done, kind of caught whiff of what Michael Kay said and got a little shame for it, which I think was rightfully justiced, justified. Um, but it was nice to kind of see Anthony Rizzo go up to the kid and be like, hey, man, like, I love your stuff. Uh, kind of talk to him. This kid actually is in a band called the open doors. He's the drummer for them. And he went up talking to Rizzo about that. And they like took a picture and like Rizzo was like, oh, I'm going to follow you guys. Like I'm going to listen to your music. I, I want to like hear what you got. And he actually like complimented on that. And on the next game, they showed the kid again and his hair was up like in a bun in the helmet and he still had the mustache, but it wasn't as thick. Uh, just kind of crazy like that. They still had this stupid rule. I personally think they got to get rid of it. I think personally, once, Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner died in the organization. I think that rule should have died with him. I don't mind tradition or, you know, team, a team following a code, but that's a very good point. I think it maybe should have died with uh, George Steinbrenner. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if it's just frustration coming out from how the Yankees are playing that they're reacting this way. You know, I know they did take two or three against the guardians when they were there in Cleveland, but you know, as of recently, they lost the first two games against the Twins, which is not really a common thing you see. The Twins are actually a pretty surprising team right now. I know we really didn't talk about them in the last segment, but I wanted to touch up on them here uh, before we head home. Uh, just, you know, want to shout them out, and they're having a pretty good start to the season so far. So just wanted to mention them in this little segment before we go. No, for sure. They were kind of like our odd team out with the uh, AL Central. You know, you were favoring the White Sox, me more the Guardians, and the Twins are just kind of left out there. Shout out to Sonny Gray going out there and uh, striking out 13 for his career high the other day. My fantasy team loved that. Oh, by the way, my fantasy team scored the most points last week. That wasn't in the show rundown now, was it? Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's head home talking about the top three matchups we have for this upcoming week. Fazio, I want to start with this one. This one I think is a big one. We got the Toronto Blue Jays against the Houston Astros. Two big teams in the American League. A potential ALCS matchup if everything works out properly. Yeah, that's to say if the Rays aren't going to spoil any plans and kind of run through this division and even the league. But uh, in any case, you know, the Astros, let's just say, you know, they're kind of getting off to a tough start. They're sitting at 6-8 and eight as of this recording. Uh, but they're showing, they're starting to show some life in their team. They're starting to, you know, bounce back, get a couple of series wins under their belts. You know, and as for the Blue Jays, we're going to have to see what the rest of this series against the Rays does. Uh, I anticipate they're going to be one of the bigger powerhouses to come out of the league. So this should be a nice little matchup between these two juggernauts and uh, might be a preview of what's to come, like you said. Another matchup I want to discuss. We have Braves-Padres yet again this upcoming week. Padres took three out of four against them the last time. These two teams are looking to be one of the better ones in the National League. Uh, we predicted the Padres to win the West. Some of us have the Braves in the World Series. This matchup here is a uh, big matchup again. I want to see how the Braves bounce back from losing that series. Yeah, Padres, you know, going to them real quick. Uh, they scuffled a bit this last week. Uh, they lost three in a row. They're under 500, kind of trying to figure out how to get back. And like you said in, earlier in the show, you know, I think they need Fernando Tatis to come back and really just put some juice into their lineup. Juan Soto needs to get out of his head a little bit too. Got to just run through this pitch clock era and just, you know, 
figure out what works best for him there so he can get back on track. This game's at San Diego, so hopefully that'll help him out this time. I mean, they did take three or four against the Braves. It's a three-game set against them this coming week, Monday and Wednesday. So it uh, should be another great matchup between these two. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. I think the Padres' rotation might be a little short right now without Joe Musgrove. But once he comes back, I think the Padres, you'll see them get into a more winning rhythm, pulling off a couple of bigger, uh, pulling off a few big winning streaks as well. And then Max Fried, too, also got to come back for the Braves as well. They're missing him. But again, they're just a well-doiled machine over there. They're just next man up, stepping up to deliver. And of course, big matchup here. We got the game's Arguably the game's best player in the world versus the greatest baseball franchise of all time. Yeah, this is a heavily, uh, I think, marketed game right now. Series, I should say. Uh, Angels are visiting the Yankees in New York. You got Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, both healthy. It's happening Tuesday to Thursday. Obviously, being a Yankee fan, I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully, Aaron Judge you know, and the team just comes out and just lights them up, <laughs> as they should. You know, hopefully Mike Trout will be a Yankee before you know it. We'll see. That's funny. Listen, if you're a TV executive for whatever network these games are going to be on, your your ears perked up when you saw the schedule. You got Otani, Trout coming into Yankee Stadium. I can only imagine the amount of attention this game will garner. All right, guys, before we get out of here, Fazio, why don't you tell them about the uh, giveaway over there? Yes, indeed. I, before I do that, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the shirt that I'm wearing. It's the... Uh, Waffles from Sweet Chick, and today is Jackie Robinson Day, so I'm trying to honor him with the 42. Uh, Sweet Chick's one of my favorite restaurants of all time out in Brooklyn in New York. I think they have like five or six restaurants now, which is pretty crazy, but I got the shirt a while back. Just wanted to give a shout out to Jackie, and, uh, and obviously, you know, the Dodgers out there. Uh, today's Jackie Robinson Day, so uh, it's always a great time to see everyone wear 42. But yes, for the, as for the giveaway... So yeah, I'm going to reach out. We're going to reach out to the winner uh, on Monday morning. As soon as you see this episode, they have already been contacted. We'll get in touch. But we have another one coming. Let's get to 100 subscribers. Once we hit that mark, the next episode we produce, we'll make sure to announce a winner on that show. And we'll reach out to you and, uh, and get in contact. And yeah, let's see some pictures and photos and tag us, please, in these games that we give these tickets away to. We want to see some engagement. We want to see you guys like you know really enjoy the game and give us a shout out. So uh, like, subscribe, comment below. Uh, get us a follow on Instagram, on TikTok, Facebook. And uh, it's only upward from here. So we'll keep give, doing these giveaways as we, we roll along here. And, uh, you know, I just want to give shout outs and thanks to our subscribers in that way. So good luck to everyone there. And uh, looking forward to the next episode with you, Mike. I can't wait to film a Foz. It's going to be incredible. I just want to say to the currently 45 subscribers we have on YouTube right now, Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you for engaging, showing the love. Uh, we love working hard to put this podcast together, put this show together, and to see that kind of feedback, this much feedback this early, couldn't have asked for more. It, it only motivates us to want to keep going, and it's it's exciting to film these. It's exciting to put out content every day. We're loving this, and listen, guys, it's only April. It's a long baseball season. Things happen in baseball every day, and we can't wait to report on it. So thanks again.